This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Taking the High Road, a Driver Reach and Freight Waves production. I'm your host, Jeremy Raymer, founder and CEO of Driver Reach, a modern recruiting and compliance software solution. On this show, I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insights to the driver lifecycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting and retention. I appreciate all the positive feedback on the show. Please remember to rate and review Taking the High Road, whatever platform you use to listen. Now, this week, I want to welcome another amazing woman in the trucking industry, someone I've gotten to know over the years because of her engagement in the industry and her passion, Laura Durier, Manager of Recruiting and Retention with Boyle Transportation. Welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited about doing this, for sure. Well, uh, well, you've been involved in transportation in, in various capacities for the last 30 years, you know, both yep. as, a, as a professional driver, as a recruiter. So I'm excited uh, to get into talking about your background, you know, how, uh, how you've made the transition from driver to recruiter and, uh, and, uh, and, and to get your truly unique perspective about how best to both attract and retain drivers. Plus, I want to save uh, time for a question from a listener during our Deeper Dive segment. Does that all work for you? That works for me. Well, I see you're giving me a run for my money with your backdrop there with all the books. <laughs> uh, you know that uh, it is customary to uh, ask our guests, you know, if there's any you know particular book that they might recommend to the audience, whether it's something that was inspirational to them or even was just a great escape, because sometimes that's, you know, why we read. Is to escape. So, anything that you would uh, recommend to the audience? Well, when I first started reading, uh, way back in the day, you know, I, I really loved Stephen King, and that was one of one of my favorite authors. You know, especially Talisman and the Black House, and and The Stand is another great great book. You know, and I've of course expanded to all different. <laughs> <laughs> all different other subjects, you know, not, not only with farming and how to have organic farms, which we can get into later, but, but also all different kinds of, of fiction as well as history and, and kind of cataloging history for the, the future generations and, and keeping, keeping track of it. Well, it sounds, first of all, uh, you're very well-rounded clearly. And I think not just in terms of your reading and the subject, you know, that you like to read, but also in your career. And so maybe that's a, it's a good segue to talk about, you know, a little bit about you, you know, if you can share maybe some of your background, maybe what you were doing prior to becoming a driver even, and, and what led you to that profession? Sure. So I actually, when I was at attending Carnegie Mellon University, one of my jobs, because I was supporting myself through college, I was um, a music major. So viola performance at Carnegie Mellon University. And while I was doing that, I had to, I don't, I don't know, live and eat. So so I had a couple of different jobs during college. And one of them was driving the shuttle bus. So, so I ended up managing the drivers for the shuttle bus. I was doing that for three years during the time that I was at Carnegie Mellon. So I knew that I could drive a larger vehicle. I knew that I didn't want to go into music. That could be a side conversation, but <laughs> um, I knew that I didn't want to go into music and I was essentially crashing on my, my friend's couch and the diesel Pittsburgh Diesel Institute 
commercial came on and I'm like, you know what? Maybe I could do that. Maybe I could get paid to travel the country and see things and drive. And that sounded good to me. And it sounded like a new, a new direction. And I went there, I checked it out and they said, so you're going to start tomorrow. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to start driving. And that was a five week course. And then one, I, I applied to Schneider and one other carrier. I don't remember who the other carrier was, but I went to that interview and they said, so you're going to Green Bay tomorrow. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to Green Bay. <laughs> so I had a, a week training there and then that started my career. That was back in March of 1993. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's an interesting path from Carnegie Mellon, right? Uh, to, to, to getting behind the wheel and Apparently, there was something about you when you applied that they said, yes, yes, we want we want her. I have so, I have no idea. I don't know if it was just a driver shortage or not. But <laughs> well, there's no question it's been going on that a, long. It was a button to seat. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I know you enough to know that you're certainly more than that. And I'm sure they recognize that uh, as well. So that's interesting, though, because I think you know, I think we all know that we need more women behind the wheel. and. Uh, uh, you, you, if you saw this before from uh, Atri, Atri's research uh, or American Transportation Research Institute uh, talked about one of their reports about how statistically women are the safest in every category uh, as a as a professional driver. So uh, I know that you're a believer in, in attracting more women to the industry. Can you share maybe what what was your experience like, and 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 how has it improved or has it improved? I guess in any way since you were a uh, professional driver. Sure. So back in the nineties, I was one of the only women out there, you know, so it, it has changed remarkably in the last 30 years for sure. You know, sometimes there weren't even women bathrooms, bathrooms for women in, in the industry, you know, anywhere truck stops, you know, back in the day, you, if you wanted to talk to somebody, you had, you had to call it, sit at a table and call in on a corded phone. That's how long ago it was. So Back in the day, all the truck stops, they each each booth had its own phone. So when you were doing your driver changes or you were sitting down for a meal, you were calling in to see what the next thing was because this was before they even had Omnitracks, you know, and those mm -hmm. kinds of things. So so the industry has has changed remarkably since then. For women, you know, of course, I think that the attitude of men in the industry has definitely changed over the years because when I started in the nineties, it was more of the cat call, you know, male dominated space, but I've always had, all of my friends have always been men. So it's, it's not something that I was, I was unfamiliar with just dealing with that. And it never really bothered me. I know that some people are really bothered by that, but um, basically the men around me just knew not to take advantage, you know, so that's, that's always good. And I think that it's really important even now for women to think about how you carry yourself. How do you not only carry yourself at a truck stop, but how do you present yourself in this space, you know? And, and of course, you know, the, there's tons of arguments that you could have with this, but still how you carry yourself does transmit to the people around you. And if you look tough, Basically, people aren't going to mess with you, you know, and then you always want to make sure that you know how to how to defend yourself as well, you know, and, and that hasn't changed over the years. But definitely just the, the how many how many women are in the industry. When I start, started with Schneider, you know, I might be the only person in the bathroom because there were so many men, you know, and, and no women that, that were at the terminal, you know. So so that's definitely changed, you know. 
But uh, I think that it's getting better and better. And I think that as we kind of confront the stereotypes that that the allies in our space are going to help us to to increase our presence within the industry. And I think that that's a good thing. You know, like you said, women are women are safer just overall. Now, that's not saying and and that could be argued as well, depending on (laughs) on who you talk to. But but in, you know, most most professional drivers, you know, we're, we're we have to prove ourselves too, right? That's that's an overarching thing. We have to prove ourselves. We have to be better than the next guy because because we're we're kind of ha- being challenged by by our gender, you know. And I think mm-hmm. I think that that's a big thing in the industry as well. Well, and and I I know that we've made progress. I mean, so by the way, this is uh, National Women's History Month, and we're talking about how you made history, right? At, at, at that time, especially back then. And we've seen a lot of progress being made. I know that there's a lot of room for improvement. I certainly believe that the more women that we have in the industry, not only does it address the, the shortage of, of, of drivers that we have, but also I think it helps to improve the image. Um, and that, you know, not that all men are slovenly, but I just, you know what I'm saying? It's, I, I think there is a, there is a sense that, uh, that, that women are going to be able to help improve the image of the industry. And I'm just wondering, just to, just to camp out for one more second on this topic, if there are other things that you might suggest that can be done from an industry standpoint to better attract uh, more women to the industry. Yeah, I think that the especially the trend since COVID started of having more local, because if you think about it, a lot of women have have kids that they have to take care of or they have to take care of their parents. You know, we're nurturers, you know, and because of that, you know, that that personal connection is really important. Having family time is more important, I think. To, to women over men, not saying that men don't care about that, but, you know, having, having the, the woman take care of the kids is still something that's traditional in our society and having the, the trend turns towards more local work is helping to attract more women to the industry. I um, was recently uh, put on the Women of Trucking Advisory Board. So I'm really excited about that. That's that's a new FMCSA board. And we're trying to identify how to attract more women to the industry, how to protect women in the industry. And, you know, really, if we're protecting women in the industry, we're also protecting men. You know, what one of the things that was really interesting that I found out in our first meeting was the survey that they put out. While I have reservations about some of the, the survey aspects. But one of the things that was identified is that even 40% of men feel that they're harassed at truck stops as well. You know, so this is an overarching issue, issue that we're trying to address with the Women in Trucking Advisory Board, you know. So there are so many things that, that we could do. The, the pay, you know, being paid for your time, being paid well. I, I think that more and more women realize that they can increase their income for their family by becoming a professional driver. And also, if you can find something that's local, you can also, you know, see your kids every day or once, you know, once a week or on the weekends, you know, and and companies are kind of adapting their models to be able to support that as well. Yeah. Well, you, I'm, I'm curious, you know, as a driver and, uh, and then there was a time where you decided or there, an opportunity must have presented itself, perhaps that you became, uh, you, you you switched, you moved from the seat, from behind the seat, you know, to a different chair as a recruiter. What what was the catalyst uh, for that transition? Well, it's it's a long story. Do you want to really hear it? I mean, <laughs> it is. It's it's convoluted story. So 
So I started in 1993. In 1995, we came off the road because somebody hit us on the side of the road, and we we were um we were we were hurt medically. So I had to come off of the road for two for two months, and they put Schneider put us on light duty. And during that time, I started doing like data entry for maintenance, um, doing you know uh, where you check inventory and stuff like that for them. And then we went back to teaming. Um, they tried to put us back into a, into a cab over. Like I started when there were cab overs. It's not fun. It's not fun 55 up the hill and down the hill. But, <laughs> um, so they tried to put us back into a cab over and that just wasn't working for my husband with, with the injuries that he had. And we decided to take a, we took a break and we, we had a fishing lake and campgrounds. So I, we started that business, built that up for a year and a half and decided to go back into driving. Once we did that in, I want to say like 1998, we bought a farm and it was an organic farm. We had a dedicated account where I was home every day and we had organic vegetables. I had a, about a quarter and then it shrunk to an eighth of an acre. And we were, I was growing organic vegetables and then we had pasture poultry and pastured chickens and eggs. And so I was doing that on top of working full time for this ded dedicated account. So that, you know, so we started another business, built it from the, from the ground up. So I had some of that, those computer skills that you have to have to be able to do marketing and all that kind of stuff. And then when they lost the account, I went to United Natural Foods and I was a driver there just delivering groceries with a hand cart. And that was, that was a lot of, a lot of physical labor. And my friend who actually lives in Pittsburgh, he's a PhD, and he recommended that I go into the supervisor kind of space, you know, into, into administration because, you know, he's like, you need to be, do something else besides being a driver. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do it, you know, so <laughs> because I love driving and I love driving for the whole time that I was there. But with United Natural Foods, I was given the opportunity to be the driver trainer supervisor because at that point I had been driving for 20 years or so. So I was able to start doing some training programs, like developing training programs for the driver trainers, doing ride alongs, doing, you know, tracking metrics on efficiency and all that kind of stuff. So um, the, before that happened, I had actually hurt my ankle and then they put me in the office and then I started doing more of the, the administrative stuff. And then during that whole time, I was the secretary of the fire department and in the an auxiliary and running bingo. So all of that on top of everything. <laughs> so that gave me a weird, a weird skill set that then when I stopped with United Natural Foods, teaming back with Schneider with my husband, then we decided to go to Boyle Transportation. I had this weird mishmash of all of these different skills and the capacity to do the things, you know, and it's being a recruiter was something that I thought that I might be able to do. And then when the recruiter at Boyle Transportation decided to retire, I asked him to give me a heads up if he was going to retire, because I thought that it's something that I'd like to apply for. And then they had however many candidates they had, they decided to pick me. And I've been doing this for four years now. Yeah. A little yeah. over four years. Well, that's so fantastic. It was a lot. I, I did warn you. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but what's, well, what I learned, I learned so much from that uh, story because not only are you clearly a very driven, you, you're, you are tireless, but you're also very entrepreneurial. And I don't know that I knew that about you. And that's really, that's, that's awesome. That's really neat. And that's a whole separate conversation. I think we're going to have a separate conversation about books and I think we're going to have a separate conversation about organic food and, and those sorts of things. So um, yeah, and, and now we have a car service here in Savannah as well, you know, so this is our third business. Well, that's, that's fun and neat. And like I said, tireless. And by the way, you said mishmash of skills. I would say that's just really, really well-rounded. 
as uh, as I said before. And 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 in fact, uh, I think that's probably a great benefit. Uh, you know, that you're able to speak from experience when you're talking to drivers who are applying. You know, uh, very rare, I think, in, in in from a recruiter standpoint, that uh, that recruiters have that frame of reference, and they just sometimes they might not earn the same level of respect. You know, uh, versus someone who's been in their sh- uh, shoes, understands intimately what they deal with day in and day out. How do you think that being on both sides uh, has affected, you know, how now you work on that side? I think it's really significant. You know, when I talk to drivers, they're used to talking to somebody that's, that doesn't have very much experience in the industry. Maybe they haven't done a ride along, you know, and because I drove for 25 years altogether, you know, they're, they're like, oh, you know what I go through, you know, <laughs> when, when I tell them that we go to JFK in New York, they're like, oh. I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm like, look, you got to think about it a different way, you know, and nobody likes going there, but it's a place that we go. And if, if, if we're not the fit for you, then you're, then we're not the fit for you, but that's place, you know, and that, that goes back into the whole honesty thing. You know, it's, it's being brutally honest whenever you're talking to people, knowing you, you have to approach different people in different ways. You know, when that, I have, when I interviewed for the job for Boyle for the, be, to be the recruiter, they said, so what's your pitch going to be? I said, it really depends on who I talk to everybody's in a different place. Everybody is looking for something different. Can we match their, their desires and, and, and their goals in life? You know, if we can't, then we can't, but you know, being, being open and honest about those things, sometimes it's not going to be rainbows and unicorns. And I tell all of the, the new drivers that, but you know, most of the days are going to be good. You know, you have to think about the good days and, and not just react to the bad days. You know, if, if it's consistently bad, then that's something that you need to think about. But, but, you know, having, having that, that well-rounded background, I think really helps having experience with the customers that we deliver to really helps, you know, knowing the routes that they're going to go really helps. So all of those things, you know, I can, when I first started as a recruiter, I didn't know a lot about boil, you know, like what. How did it start? You know, those are the things that I need to know. I need to be able to answer any question that might that might come up, because if I can't answer the question or God forbid, like I give a wrong answer or I mislead somebody, that's where the the professional driver is going to be like, well, if you've misled me about this thing, then what else were you not being truthful about? And the best policy and and my my policy or my best practice is to just be honest and, and up upfront, you know, if I don't know the answer, I'm going to, I'm going to let you know that I'm going to go find it, you know, but knowing about the industry and about our company specifically, and about all of these customers that helps the the professional driver feel a little bit more comfortable because not only have I been there and done that, not only, you know, driven for, for boil, but hand unloaded groceries in, in downtown DC at two o'clock in the morning, you know, those kinds of things where, where they're like, you know, like it, 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 I guess it gives you some legitimacy. You know, because I've been doing it for so long, too. No question. And I think that's uh, in a huge amount of respect. I, I can only imagine the positive impact that you've had on Boyle. And I know, uh, you know, that's that's maybe maybe this is a good uh, opportunity to just kind of share a little bit about Boyle as a company, because uh, they've got a great reputation. Uh, certainly, uh, I've always enjoyed any engagement that I've had with Boyle leadership at various events. Uh, seems to me like a like a class act organization. So it's fun, obviously, to be able to represent a company like that anyway. But then I would imagine that, you know, your background and experience and your ability to connect uh, has has absolutely made that that better. Would you would you agree? I always hope so. You know, that's always my goal. You know, so you'd have to talk to leadership and see see if I'm doing a good job or not. But, you know, we have, um, you know, we have really low turnover. 
Our reviews online are amazing. We have some really amazing drivers that have had amazing experiences here. The stuff that we haul is really important for the country and for individual lives because we, we haul military and pharmaceutical goods, you know, so all of those things, you, the, the professional driver can have pride in, in being involved in an organization that not only supports them, but also aligns with their, their values as well. You know, we take, we take things seriously and, and accountability is part of that. You know, we, we hold drivers accountable. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, then, then we're going to have, we're going to have a coaching session about it. You know, we utilize all kinds of technology and some people don't like that. Some people don't like that we have telematics alerts and, you know, like we, we can give you a, a safe driving score and, and all of those things, you know, all of those things help us to coach the driver to be better, which drives down our accident costs, right? It's very rare for us to have a really major accident. Most of our accidents are slow maneuver accidents, you know, in truck stops and backing up and that kind of stuff, you know, but we, we have a driver coach that's here that, that also kind of identifies that stuff and, and can talk directly to the driver who full disclosure happens to be my husband and he's the driver coach, but, but he's also driven in the industry for the last 30 years, you know? So, so having somebody that's, that's a driver coach that actually has driven and has visited some of these customers and can't get snowed to, I mean, helps the company anyway, <laughs> but yeah. So, so I think that, I mean, the organization is amazing. I've, I've loved being a part of it. It's, it's very team centric and collaborative and, and we rely on each other to, to come up with ways to not only improve our or organization, but to push the industry forward as well, which is reflected with the best lease program and all that kind of stuff as well. Well, I know compliance, uh, you know, the word compliance, at least, you know, encompasses a wide range of, you know, actions and, you know, diligence to you know, keep people safe and, you know, your background, how has that influenced your approach to, to compliance and safety from a recruitment standpoint? Is that something that is, uh, how much of a factor, clearly just in what you just described, it's, um, it's something that is front and center to your mind as the, you know, you're sort of guarding the gates, right? For anybody that does come in, I, I would imagine safety and compliance is a big, uh, part of that conversation. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So with compliance, sometimes things happen, you know, also, you know, you have something that you're, you're speeding five miles an hour over in your personal vehicle because, you know, you were trying to get to the hospital or something, you know, so everything, everything has, has weight depending on whether, you know, what the circumstances were. So that's a conversation, you know, it's not an automatic, you know, no, if you have one infraction, you know, because it depends on what the, what the circumstances were. Do you have, do you have the documentation? Can you explain what happened? You know, those kinds of things, you know, of course people have accidents and that kind of stuff. Of course, you know, that's something that we look at, but, but, you know, having those one-offs and, and if there's a pattern, if there's a pattern of compliance issues, you know, you have a pattern of speeding, you know, that, that actually establishes, if you, if you've established that pattern, that, that shows that you could have future um, problems in, problems as well. So that's actually probably bleeds kind of right into our, our last question here before we've got to go is that's uh, the deeper dive question. And this is a question from one of our listeners and, and it is, are there any best practices for how to attract the right safe type of driver for our fleet? Um, so maybe just taking that, looking at it from the other perspective that you were just describing, uh, what do you do to, to make sure that this is the right safe driver for you? Yeah. So it starts from the first conversation for, for us, 
you know, because I am their first contact all the way through to the conclusion of orientation and beyond because I'm the driver ambassador as well as at least one of the driver ambassadors. From that very first conversation, we're establishing not only a bond and and um, letting people know what the brand is and, and what your expectations are. At orientation, Andrew Boyle spends an hour and a half with them, letting them know big picture and our expectations of the driver, as well as the driver's expectations of the company. You know, are we fulfilling those those expectations as well? But as far as as I guess um, bringing people into the organization and making them interested, you know, a lot of that starts with the marketing part of it. You know, we do require uniforms. All of our marketing, you know, is our drivers in uniform with clean equipment, you know, those kinds of things are really attractive to, to some professional drivers, you know, especially if they're involved in an organization or with a company that doesn't let them wash their trucks, you know, that doesn't, um, that some drivers may not be to that standard. That's all I'm going to mm-hmm. say about that. And sure, we all know, sure. we've all seen them at all the truck stops, that the people that, that aren't a good representative of the brand. And during orientation, that's something that we talk about too, about how important what you do and how you look not only reflects on you, but it also reflects on the company. You know, and it's really important to kind of maintain that, at least our image through in the industry. And that's something that we talk about. And that's something that we coach too, if we, because the fellow professional drivers they're keeping an eye on on their 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 felt you know their their coworkers as well you know so so they're reporting people that don't don't wear a uniform or whatever you know so so you know that that whole you know attraction phase is starts at that very beginning I, I guess really starts with marketing doesn't it because we're we're showing our drivers in a certain environment and then once I I start to talk to them and then I'm reinforcing that. And then we're reinforcing that all the way through orientation and then post orientation. We're also, you know, following up and coaching if, if they're not meeting expectations as well, you know, but knowing those expectations is really important as a professional driver, because if you don't know where you're at and what your, your, your expectations are within the company or from the company, then you don't do it right. Right. And if you don't know what you have to do, then, then you can't perform your job to the, the high level that we expect. Well, that is it's fascinating and it's so encouraging. And, and I think it's clear that it is, it is a culture. That is who you are. And, and so attracting those same types of drivers, especially as you start further step stream in marketing, uh, probably helps you um, easily separate uh, the wheat from the chaff and find the right folks that, that fit for you. So uh, first of all, thank you so much for joining me today. It's always a delight talking to you, especially someone so well-rounded. And I know that we have so much more to talk about um, and, and, I, and I look forward to that. So I really appreciate you joining me. Well, thank you for having me. It's, it's been a delight. It really has. I, I always enjoy talking to you and, and we'll have to talk more about books later on. <laughs> for sure. And thank you for joining me for another episode of Taking the Higher Road and for spreading the word to your industry peers. We really appreciate it. Remember, you can submit any question or comments, including those which may appear on upcoming Deeper Dive segments at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road, whatever platform you use to listen. Until next time, thank you for taking the higher road.